Lord Jesus, it is a sweet gift of grace to sing and gather alongside your people. We praise you this day, for in you we find the source of our hope, our peace, our joy, and our love. In you we can wait with hope, for you are the faithful risen one. In you we can find our peace, for you conquered sin, the enemy, and death itself. In you we can rejoice in all circumstances, for while this life has trouble and suffering, you have overcome the world and you're reigning and ruling. And in you, Jesus, we see the embodiment of love. We praise you for taking on flesh and dwelling among us, living a life of perfection, dying in our place, rising again on the third day, ascending to heaven, sending the Spirit in your place, continuing to reign and rule, and one day you will return in victory. We praise you for your goodness, faithfulness, power, and love. We praise you that you're at work in our midst and you are a near, present, and relational God. We trust you, Jesus. We want to hear from you this morning. We want to be changed and transformed by your love. We trust that you're able to do that work, and we welcome that work in our hearts and lives. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. You can have a seat. Good morning. Today's scripture reading is from 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 11, in the CSB translation. Again, that is 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 11. If you have a Bible or device, I'd encourage you to turn there. While you're getting there in your Bibles, my name is Dylan Stork. My wife, Brenna, and I have been attending Cross Point for a little over six years now. She'd want me to note that this is our seventh Christmas, though. We have been covenant members for about five years now. Bella, our foster daughter, she's with us today. She has been attending with us since May of this year. We are in the Funks Community Group. And you'll probably have recognized my wife as she serves on the worship team pretty regularly. Let's hear God's word. Dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God. And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. Love consists in this. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we also must love one another. This is the word of the Lord. So uh, today, as we uh, conclude our Advent series, uh, it is good to be alongside you and be alongside one another to celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Today's theme is that of love, that in the coming of Jesus Christ, we see the visible demonstration of the love of our God, for ultimately, love does not originate with us, but in him. And so we'll be in that uh, passage that Dylan just read this morning. I want us to be reminded of three things, that love is from God, and that love is made visible. His love is made visible in Jesus, taking on flesh and dwelling among us, the Father sending the Son to rescue us from our sin. And finally, for those who have been born again, we've confessed Jesus as Lord and Savior. The Lord has called us, commanded us to love one another. The reality that love is from God isn't a truth that we hold at arm's length, but it shapes us, it transforms our daily way of life. For the Christian has been born again in his love. If you're here and you don't confess Jesus as Lord and Savior, you're not here by accident. If you haven't been born again, I pray that today that you might, that you might hear of the love of our God and respond in repentance and faith. The Lord who loves you is at work. 
reminding you of his love this morning through this passage. Verse 7, dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God. Love is from God. It finds its origin, its source, not in us, not in created people, but in our creator. Love is to be understood, if you will, top down, not bottom up. Creator to creation, not the other way around. Love is an attribute alongside such others as his holiness, his righteousness, justice, wisdom, compassion, faithfulness. He is not lacking or deficient in any of these attributes. His character is complete and love is from him. And how does a God of love reveal his love? Well, through the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Verses 9 and 10 again. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only Son into the world so that we might live through him. Love consists in this, not that we loved God, but that he, that he loved us and sent his Son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. The Father sends his one and only Son. Jesus did not come into existence at Christmas. He has always existed. He is eternal. Rather, at Christmas, Jesus, the Son of God, was sent from heaven to be born of a virgin, taking on flesh, fully human, at the same time, fully God. Fully human, meaning able to experience sorrow, grief, pain, temptation. The Father sends the Son on behalf of all created people who had rebelled, wandered, strayed, dismissed him, let alone the things of him. No greater love has been revealed to us than through the Father sending his Son. Sent so that we might live through him, it says. Meaning apart from Jesus, we were trying to live through other means, which were leading to death, and we were dead in our sins. We were trying to draw life, if you will, from empty, barren, dry wells. We were enslaved to our sins, to the patterns of this world, enslaved to the passions of our flesh. This is how Ephesians 2, 1 through 3 says it. For you were dead in your trespasses and sin, in which you previously walked according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit now working in the disobedient. We too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts, and we were by nature children under wrath as the others were also. Into this picture of helplessness, John declares, God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. Meaning apart from him, apart from trusting in him, there is no abundant life. So what's the Christian life all about? If you were to sum it up, it's life in Christ. It's living through Jesus. Paul writes in Galatians 2, verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. According to John 10, 10, Jesus says that our spiritual enemy's mission is to steal, kill, and destroy. His agenda is death, to put it bluntly. But Jesus has come to give abundant life. His agenda is one thing, life. Life. Life to the full, not only here in this earth, but eternal life with him and God's people. Jesus was sent so that we might live through him, friends. 
John writes in verse 10 there that Jesus was also sent to be an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Atoning sacrifice, meaning someone has to pay for sin. For how you and I and mankind have all sinned. We've missed the mark. We've fallen short of his perfection. And Jesus was sent to be the one who would pay that price in full. He was born to die. To die is the all-sufficient, perfect sacrifice for sin that he did not commit, but we have. We are unable to atone for or pay for our sin because we are the sick and we can't heal ourselves. We can't remove the, the guilt or the shame that our sin causes. We can't cover our brokenness with good works. We can't, but he can and he has and he, and he will. This was the Lord's plan all along. Listen to Matthew 1. 18 through 21, part of the Christmas story. The, the birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. So her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. But after he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. He will be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. This was the plan from Genesis 3 on. What had gone wrong in the rebellion of mankind would be made right by a God of love who is seeking to wash white the dirty and cover the shamed, and rescue the condemned, and set free the enslaved, heal the sick, pardon the guilty, and save the proud. Love is from God, and love is revealed through the sending of Jesus, who was sent to die and rise again on the third day, so that all who would trust in him might receive the gift of eternal life. Love consists in this, not that we love God, John writes. That's a hard pill for me to swallow. That's a hard pill to swallow. Because at one point, before I put my trust in Jesus to forgive my sin, I thought, I'm not that bad. Sure, I love God. Sure, I do. I'm not that bad. And I thought that because instead of looking at the perfection of Christ, I looked around me, comparing myself to others. And as a result, I puffed up with self-righteousness, thinking, I'm not as bad as they are. I'm doing better than they are. Granted... For those who I would compare myself to, I'd notoriously leave out those who I would fall short. I would only include those who I thought, okay, I'm better than you are. And I'd leave out these who I knew I fell short of. I'd grade myself on a curve, whereas others I'd grade on a very, very strict scale. Love consists in this, the sending of the Son on behalf of the proud and the prodigal. On behalf of all people who are ungodly compared to the perfect character of our triune creator God. Romans 5, 6 through 8 says this, For while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For rarely will someone die for, just, for a just person, though for a good person perhaps someone might even dare to die. 
But God proves his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Love is from God, and it's shown and proven through Christ dying for us. While we were still in a posture of rebellion and wandering and straying and dismissing. To go back to my little game of self-righteous comparison, a game that all of us can relate to. In that example, it's rebellion toward the Lord. Because I'm saying, I don't need a savior. I can save myself because I'm, I'm somehow tipping the scales in my, in my favor. I, I disregarded his perfect and good authority and placed myself up as my own judge. A judge who is notoriously partial and biased and subjective. Christ died for the ungodly. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Charles Spurgeon, a preacher from the 1800s, wrote this. But who among us would think of giving up his son to die for his enemy? For one who never did him a service, but treated him ungratefully, repulsed a thousand overtures of tenderness, and went on perversely hardening his neck. No man could do it, he writes. Prior to our daughter getting married, I had one son, my beloved son, Eli, now 22 years old, who's married to Hope. They have a sweet and beloved grandson, Grayson, who is, they have a son, we have a grandson, Grayson, who is coming up on three months old. I can't fathom giving up my son. I can't fathom, probably more, giving up my grandson. <laughs> For the sake of people who had treated me ungratefully, year after year after year. And neither can you if you have a child. This is what Paul is saying in Romans 5, 7. For a good person, maybe rarely, someone might even dare to die. But God, but God gives up his son not for the good, but the ungodly. You and me, all people. We've all been made in the image and likeness of our God. Fearfully, wonderfully made. But since Genesis 3, we've all chosen to go our own way. And as a result... We are referred to there in Romans 5 as the ungodly. Jesus is the gift that we esteem, remember, and treasure in this season, for through him, life is actually found. And it's found not through our works, not through our striving, but by grace and through faith. Verse 7 again, love is from God, and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. So John is saying that, that not everyone has experienced the love of God. The idea of the word know in verse 7 is knowledge gained by experience. Not just, yeah, I know some facts about God, but rather I've experienced his love. I've received the gift of his love. I haven't just watched someone open up or receive that gift, but I've received it myself. It's personal. Friends, have you experienced his love? Have you, have you received the gift of his love? Some of you are wrongly assuming that, that you receive it by just being around the things of God. Being around a church gathering, for instance. Being around other Christians. But that would be like going to a Christmas gathering tomorrow morning and watching other people open gifts, but then you never receive and enjoy the gift yourself. And you assume that that's what the Christian life is about, but it's living through Christ, life in him. John says here that you only know of the love of God if you've been born of God, meaning you've been born again. You've experienced new birth in Christ. John writes in his gospel account 
in John 1, 12 and 13, but to all who did receive him, he gave the right to be children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of natural descent or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. So life in Christ, living through him, isn't about our earthly birth. Some of you, again, are wrongly assuming, well, I'm auto automatically a Christian because my parents or my parents were Christians. No. John is saying that's not what it means to become a child of God. Where others of you are thinking on the other side, well, I can't become a Christian because I have no faith background. I've never darkened the door of a church building and these kind of things. Don't believe such lies, friends. That's not what John is saying. John is saying to become a child of God is through spiritual rebirth. And such rebirth takes place not through natural descent, not through us willing it to happen, but it happens through belief. John writes in verse 12 there, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. What a gift that to experience rebirth in Jesus is open to everyone from every tribe, tongue, and nation, all backgrounds, all are invited to believe including you. To believe in the name of Jesus is not just mental agreement, as if to say, well, I believe there's a God. I believe that this didn't just happen. James tells us even the demons believe that God exists, and yet they tremble in fear. They don't bow in joyful worship. So if belief is not just mental agreement, what is it? Well, to believe is to trust, to trust with the whole of your life. John is saying to those who trust in his name, he gives the right to become a child, a son or daughter of the king. C.S. Lewis wrote this, you never know how much you really believe anything until its truth or falsehood becomes a matter of life and death. It's easy to say you believe a rope is strong as long as you are merely using it to cord a box or wrap a gift, if you will. But suppose you had to hang by that rope over a cliff, wouldn't you first then discover if you really trusted it, he writes? What are you believing in? Better said, who are you trusting in? The only sure and steady, true and faithful one is Jesus Christ. He, it is a matter of life and death, friends. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And to believe and trust in Jesus, then it leads somewhere. It leads to a change of mind, a change of direction, the Bible word for that is repentance. To use the C.S. Lewis uh, illustration there, to repent means forsaking what we were trying to hold on to as our hope, recognizing it as false, and then turning toward, clinging to, grasping what is true, what is steady, what is faithful, over and over and over. And it's not a, it's not a thing, it's a person. It's the work of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Verse 11, dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we also must love one another. John is saying, as we trust in Jesus, when we have experienced new birth in Christ, we'll walk and we'll live and we'll love like Jesus. Because it's a love that it's not just known about, but it's actually experienced personally. <coughs> Followers of Jesus are seeking to become like who we follow. Children of God are to, be, are to be a reflection of the Father. Believers who have been indwelt with the Spirit of God at conversion then bear the fruit of the Spirit in our life. 
So since love is from God, since God loved us in this way, we as his reborn people must love one another. We are not commanded to love in order to earn his love, but rather because we are loved. The love of Jesus always, always precedes the command to love like Jesus. In verse 19 of the same chapter, John writes, we love because he first loved us. Jesus says in John 13, I give you a new command, love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. His love toward us always precedes the command to turn around horizontally with that love. Jesus says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Love is from God. And his love is revealed through the sending of the Son of God as the atoning sacrifice for the sins of people. And for all those who put their trust in and believe in Jesus, we experience a spiritual rebirth. They are reborn and now are children of God. And we seek to imitate the God of love through loving one another. And by this, everyone will know that they are the disciples of Jesus when we love one another, when the people of God pursue that Christ-like love toward one another. 1 John 3.16 says, This is how we have come to know love. He laid down his life for us. We should also lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Love is from God and revealed through the coming of Christ. And in the way that we have been loved, we are also ought to love one another. And Jesus' love was selfless. It was sacrificial. It was a love that went first every single time, that initiated, that acted. It wasn't a love just of lip service, but it was actually demonstrated through his life. Spurgeon wrote this, has anybody offended you? Seek reconciliation. Oh, but I'm the offended party. So was God. And he went straight away and sought reconciliation. Rather do the same. Oh, but I've been insulted. Just so, so was God. All the wrong was towards him, and yet he sent. Oh, but the party is so unworthy. So are you and I. But God loved you and sent his son, so go live according to his example, Spurgeon says. Love is from God. If we flip that and we wrongly think that we created people to define what love is, if we follow the patterns of the world in defining love, then we will notoriously define a love that costs us nothing. We want to define a love that costs us nothing, costs everybody else everything, but costs us personally nothing. But in the gospel of God's grace, it's the other way around. The world's definition of love is, is selfless. It's self-serving. It's a love in order to obtain, receive, and get. I love so that I can just get something in return. But the love of Jesus is the love that laid down his life and went first each and every time. So in the gospel of God's grace, all through faith and by grace, the people of God, we've already obtained. We've already received so that we might then love one another. So the world may know our God of love and that love is from him ultimately. Church, it's a great joy to be alongside you as we both enjoy his love and seek to live out the command toward one another. Paul writes this to the Thessalonian church, a church that was loving one another well, not perfectly, but they were making progress by the grace of God. I see us in the same way. We're not perfect in loving one another, and we won't be the side of heaven. 
But by his grace, by the spirit, by the power of his word, we will make progress for his glory. So Paul writes this in 1 Thessalonians 3, 12 through 13. And may the Lord cause you to increase and overflow with love for one another and for everyone, just as we do for you. May he make your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. As we wait for his second advent, his second coming, may the Lord do just that. May he cause our love for one another and for everyone to increase and overflow for his glory and our joy and our good. May we abound more and more in knowing and experiencing and enjoying his love and living in light of that through the daily way of life that we have before us. Let's pray. Paul writes this in Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. I pray that he may grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power in your inner being through his spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width, height, and depth of God's love, and to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Lord, we praise you for being a God of love, that love finds its source in you. Root and firmly establish your people in your love. For those here, for those watching who have trusted in you, may they do so today. May they respond to your lavish and transforming love. May we not resist but receive. May we love one another well as your people. May all the world know and see you ultimately through our lives of love. Cause our love to increase and overflow for the good of those around us and for our joy. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room or no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And he, and this will be a sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. 
When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it, as it had been told to them. As the Father has loved me, Jesus says, I have also loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in him. I, I've told you these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. This is my command. Love one another as I have loved you. The Son of God, the radiance, the light of his perfect love. Merry Christmas. <laughs>